Hello and welcome to Bite Size Strategy, the podcast that provides you with less fluff and more stuff that you can actually use to grow your brand online. In every episode, we cut the banter, we get down to business, and we talk actionable tips and tricks for online marketing, copywriting, optimizing your website, and more. I'm your host, Ashley Kay, a web designer, digital strategist, and all-around nerd. If you would like to connect with me in between episodes, you can give me a follow on Instagram at buildintandblossom or check out buildintandblossom.com for more. Hello everyone, happy 2022. We made it. We are in a new year. Yeah, how exciting. That happened this weekend. Um, so everyone I know pretty much stayed home, didn't do jack for New Year's Eve, including myself. I was on the couch, enjoyed a comfortable evening there, actually went to bed on New Year's Eve before midnight because really, like, who cares? You know, really, who cares? So I went to bed at 11.52, and that is a testament to the exciting life that I lead. So now we're here. We're in the first week of January. It's a tough pill to swallow, I think, because that Christmas holiday break, whatever you want to call it, it goes by so fast, doesn't it? And it it keeps going by faster. And that first week in January, I don't care what you're doing in your life, where you're at. I don't care how much you enjoy your job, whatever. (laughs) It always sucks to go back to reality, doesn't it? I remember when I was younger, which was actually just yesterday because yesterday I was younger than I am now. Well, that's that. I think that's a joke by uh, Mitch Hedberg, and then I just butchered it. Anywho, let's move on. Um, so yeah, when I was younger and I was actually like in school, elementary school, middle school, what have you, I didn't particularly love school. So like going back to school the first week of January after maybe what was it like? one or two weeks off, it was always a fate worse than death. And things are a lot better now. Um, So I work for myself. I own my own business. I'm doing what I want to be doing. But it is still hard to get back to reality, even even with all of that considered. So, you know, we always are talking about the Sunday scaries. I feel like the Sunday scaries are even scarier this first week of January. And I've actually read that there's kind of like some scientific proof to back this up. Now, it's been a couple of years since I read this article, so don't quote me on this. I don't even know what article I am quoting or paraphrasing or summarizing or whatever. But I remember reading like, one day in January, it's like the Monday, maybe it's like the Monday right after New Year's, or maybe it is the Monday, like two Mondays, two Mondays into the month. But there is a day in early January that is considered the most depressing day. And it's because everyone's coming down off of these holidays, um, probably like cold weather, you know, we're dealing with all of that. And yeah, it's just not fun for anyone. So friends, you know, if you're out there in the world, which I hope you are, or maybe you're listening from space, which would be cool. Hello, alien. (laughs) Yeah, if you're out there, be nice to people today and this week and always, but be extra nice because everyone's going through this Sunday scary, actually January scary stuff. So have a little compassion. And we're easing our way into the beginning of the new year here. You know, we aren't going gangbusters. We're taking things slow so we can handle them. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
All right, so that leads me to what we're going to talk about today, and I thought it'd be fun to take a little trip down memory lane, because I don't know, if you've noticed, if you've been listening to my podcast lately, I do reference things from my past quite a bit. I don't know if something is in retrograde lately. Maybe Mercury is out there being slow and it's causing me to think about the past. But, you know, I was watching all these old Disney movies that I hadn't seen since like 1998, 1999. That was a couple weeks ago. And now I want to dive back into essentially kind of like the history of blogging. Because if you weren't around online like me, because I, I am and always have been a nerd... If you haven't been a nerd like me historically and you weren't online in like the 2000s and I mean it is the 2000s but I mean like the early 2000s um you may not know some of this stuff and and I just thought it would be fun okay to explore basically the history of blogging history of content creation and that will give you a better overview of where we're at today okay we have blog posts right Articles, resources, podcast episodes, videos. So whatever shape and form your content takes, it plays an extremely important role when we're talking about growing your audience and strengthening your brand. Now, let me just preface this by saying I totally understand for most of us, this is, yeah, it's that week after New Year's. Most of us, we're probably trying to get caught up. We aren't focused on churning out a bunch of blog posts at this time, and I totally get that. But this also means, you know, a new year is upon us. There are things that you could do better. I'm not trying to call you out. I could do things better too. Believe you me. And like creating more content should be one of your goals in 2022 because it's so important, okay? So let's get right to it. You know, it's 2022. Is blogging dead? That's the question that's on everyone's mind all the time. This question comes up year after year after year. And the truth is, no, blogging is not dead. It is just evolving as it has done in the past. That's the short answer, but let's Let's get into the long answer here, okay? So here's our little trip down memory lane, and we are going back all the way to 1994. The Lion King was just released. I was just a little guy. I was running around, not in diapers. I had outgrown those, but I was still a pretty little guy. I was going to be starting kindergarten soon. That's what I was doing. What were you doing in 1994? Well, I will tell you what Justin Hall was doing in 1994. He was creating the very first ever blog. And the name of this blog was links.net. Not really a cool name, but hey, whatever. No shade, Justin Hall. You're doing your best, or you were in 1994. I don't know what you're doing now. Anyway, Justin Hall was a student, and he created links.net as a place to share his writing. And that's a little fun fact for you. Maybe you'll remember that, and you can impress your friends and family, like, next holiday season, because Talking Nerdy is awesome. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. So Justin's blog wasn't even called a blog back then because the term had yet to be invented. That came a little bit later in 1997. So that's when the term web blog was born. And of course, it was later shortened to just blog. Now, throughout the years, different blogging platforms came and went. In 1999, that's also the year of the infamous Y2K madness, right? Do we remember that? I kind of do. 
Uh, I remember my parents weren't that concerned, and kudos to them because <laughs> it turned out to not be that big of a deal. Anywho, in 1999, three big platforms were launched, Zanga, LiveJournal, and Blogger. And if anyone listening was on one of these three platforms, I would absolutely love to hear from you because you are my kind of people. I had a few different live journal accounts, even into the mid-2000s, and I am totally bummed that I can't remember the names of like the accounts that I used because I would love to look that shiz up, but on second thought, maybe it's better to just leave the past in the past because that to mid-2000s, I would have been like 13, 14. Yeah, let's just leave it there. Anyway, I digress like I always do. Let's get back into it. So in 2003, Google acquired Blogger and they also introduced AdSense, which is still a way that you can monetize your blog today. So maybe you've heard of that. I don't know. Another thing also happened in 2003, and that was the introduction of WordPress. Now, if you don't know, WordPress is an open source software that a huge percentage of websites today still use. Although I work with a variety of platforms, I primarily use WordPress, and I am proud to say that I have been a user of WordPress since it was first released. I really think they should give me like a mug or a t-shirt or something, right? Um, And yeah, at this point that was nearly 20 years ago, which makes me feel really, really old, but I was nerdy from a very young age, and so your girl was hopping on the internet doing all this stuff using WordPress when it first came out. And you know what? It's been a really fun journey. It's brought me to this point, and that's all that matters, right? So anyway, around 2003 or so, vlogs or video blogs were also becoming popular, and they really skyrocketed in popularity when YouTube was founded in 2005. And it was also around this time that more and more publications and big companies moved their content online. And personal blogs, which is a blog written by an individual, those were becoming very, very popular as well. Now, this may not be true for every blogger out there. You know, I'm just dipping into my experience as a blogger in the mid to late 2000s. Most personal blogs I found consisted of relatively short posts. They didn't dive in super deep. Of course, some did, but a lot of people's were just pretty surface level blogs, okay? And posts, they tended to be more about like what I did today what I wore, stuff like that, rather than providing readers with like problem-solving content. And because of this, most people writing personal blogs, they were able to post quite often. It's far, far easier and quicker, trust me, to sit down and write like a couple of paragraphs about what's going on in your life or what you wore today than it is to provide people with targeted, reader-directed content. Because of course, when you're doing that, you have to do a little bit of research in order to figure out what your reader wants and then make sure that content is actually good. It's way easier to just sit down and be like, well, this morning I got up and I made a cup of coffee in my Keurig and now I'm here. Hey guys, that's my blog. See you later. Well, now we're really seeing a shift, right? So if you have a strong blog today, it's probably not you-centric unless you are really, really famous because really no one really cares about you. I hate to say it. They care about them. So people are looking for blogs that provide them with problem-solving content and answers to all of their questions. 
So social media, let's talk about that too. Social media, of course, existed in the past, but not in the way that it does today. So we also never used to spend much time promoting our content. Believe me, I never promoted my content back in like the mid 2000s. I also think because there were like less people online, there were less people blogging, it was easier to stand out. And it was also, oddly enough, like easier to kind of create this tight knit community. Um, Maybe because it didn't feel like such a vast sea of people online. If you were online, you were kind of few and far between. So everyone kind of banded together, I guess. So conversations and discussion existed like on blog posts. Maybe you remember this, like people actually used to leave comments on individual posts. And like I said, there were entire communities of bloggers within a similar niche. Those existed. They still do to some extent, but it is much different today. Trust me from someone who's been in both today and the past. Um, And also there's the monetization thing. Um, I shouldn't generalize, but I do think it's pretty safe to say that most individuals starting a blog in like 2004 didn't expect to become an influencer. Influencers weren't even a thing yet, of course. No one was really doing it for the money because there wasn't much, if any, money in it. And of course, in 2004, we also didn't know how this whole thing was going to play out. We didn't know that in, you know, 2018, people were going to be quitting their jobs because they were influencers online. They were making so much money because of the content that they put out online. No one knew that that was going to happen. Um, But today, you know, of course, it seems like those two things go hand in hand, right? Monetization and content creation. If you're going to have a blog, you're expected almost to monetize it and monetize it well, or else you won't be, quote, successful. I'm not saying I believe that. I'm just saying that's what a lot of people believe. But anyway, back to the topic at hand. Is blogging dead? Nah, not really. It's just changed, you know? The biggest shift, as I mentioned, is that if you want to use blogging successfully for your brand, you have to be helpful. Your blog isn't about you. It's about your target audience and giving them the information that they need. And there are a couple more shifts too, and the first is in relation to design. Back in the 1990s, Blog posts basically used to just be words on a page, and that was mainly because everyone was on AOL dial-up internet. You know, it took a thousand minutes just to load one page. Connecting to the internet was a lengthy, loud process. If you had AOL, you remember the, I don't even know, I I don't know how you would describe that internet connecting noise, like, you guys remember it? I remember it. Well, of course, you know, that's no longer the case today. We aren't connecting to the internet that way. Our internet connections have grown faster. They are more stable. And because of that, web and content design as a whole has shifted to be more visual because our internet connections can support that. Imagery is important. Video content, it's not for everyone, but it certainly is important and it's becoming way more popular. 
And then we have content promotion. And content promotion is extremely important as well, or else you're just gonna be creating content that never gets seen. Personally, you know, this is something that I struggle with. And it's been a major shift for me to realize this because I first started blogging, like I mentioned, in the early 2000s. There really weren't any places to promote your content. So there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there certainly was no TikTok. And so now it's like, okay, I have to figure out how people are promoting their content these days. And this is good. It's good that I realized this because there are different percentages thrown around for how to properly divvy up your time. But in general, you should be spending more time promoting your content than you actually do creating it. Some of you may be like, oh yeah, of course, I already do that. Some of you, like me, may be like, oh God, really? Like, I hate promoting my content. I just want to create it. It's kind of crazy, you know? And if you haven't been doing that, if you haven't been spending more time promoting your content than creating it, try changing it up in the next few months. See if you notice any results. I feel like you're bound to. It's inevitable. It's also more important than ever to be strategic. And because this podcast is called Bite Sized strategy. You know, I love my strategy. I do. You want to be strategic with your content. So everything that you publish should have a purpose and it should be in alignment with your brand. If it doesn't, you are wasting your time. You are also wasting your audience time because they don't want to read that. Content that doesn't serve a purpose can potentially hurt you. Remember that every piece of content should be created with the goal of growing your business. And this is one of the things that I see a lot of solopreneurs and small business owners fail at. I'm not really sure why, but I i mean, I have been guilty of doing this myself too, like years ago. I remember on um, like my website design and like tech blog, all of a sudden I posted like a recipe for a pumpkin spice coffee creamer. And it's kind of like, okay, like what? Like, it was a great recipe. I'm sure maybe a couple people enjoyed it, but it was totally off topic. And that just isn't what you want to do. I have since corrected course. I try to make sure that everything has a purpose and is in alignment with what I do. But of course, not everyone um, has discovered this yet. And I think a lot of it comes down to the, the pressure to produce. People feel like, you know, maybe they've committed to doing something once per week. Maybe they've committed to a once per week posting schedule and they need to put something out there no matter what it is. So the pumpkin spice coffee creamer, you know, that gets the thumbs up because it's something to publish, better to publish something than nothing at all, right? But that's not really the case, okay? Because while being consistent with your posting schedule is important, I would argue that it's more important that whatever you are publishing is in alignment with your brand more important. Okay. And like another, another example of this with this podcast. Okay. So this podcast, it's all about providing you with digital strategy, tips, and tricks. We talk about branding, copywriting, website design, user experience, so on. We're all about the tech. It's all about that talking nerdy stuff. So how completely random would it be If like on our next episode, I totally shifted gears and for the entire episode, I talked about healthy dinner recipes or Zydeco music or how to survive holiday travel. Yeah, it would be weird. Okay. All of those things, they interest me. They may interest you as well. 
Um, And heck, you may even pick up a thing or two. But the thing is, those are not in alignment with anything that I do. I'm not like a travel agent, so why would I offer tips on surviving holiday travel? I am not a swamp music museum, so why am I going to talk about Zydeco music? Makes no sense. Those episodes, if I did them, they aren't going to strengthen my brand. And they do have the potential to hurt my brand because people may listen to them and be like, wait, what the heck? And fall off completely. Well, sometimes it's a little sneakier than this, and maybe it isn't quite so obvious when a topic is out of alignment. I get that. That's why you really have to check yourself to make sure that everything does actually make sense for your brand. Now, some people do this by picking a theme for each month, and then they make sure that the bits of content that they publish and create um, is based around that theme. And if that works for you, go for it. You could even make the theme be based on something that you're launching. That makes sense. That's adding a whole nother layer of strategy onto it that I totally approve of. Um, What I typically have clients do when they're trying to create content or create ideas for future pieces of content, I have them create a few specific categories that are topics that are related to A, what they offer to their audience, and also B, things that their audience is interested in. And then I have them brainstorm individual post ideas or video ideas, whatever, that fall within these categories. And I like this because it gives people enough to work with and it also keeps their content robust and varied enough, but still on point, right? And if you're like myself and you have a lot of interests and you have a lot of things to say, but those interests and those things to say don't necessarily jibe with what your audience is going to be looking for, I suggest journaling. It can absolutely help get that energy out. I never thought I'd be a big journaler, but I have started and that's helped a little bit with this. Anyway, getting back to the beginning of the episode here, you may remember that I mentioned other formats of content aside from the blog posts. You know, I mentioned podcast episodes, video, um, just audio, whatever. What type of content is right for your brand? Maybe you don't want to do blog posts. Maybe video feels a little bit better. I can't answer that for you. I can't tell you which type of content is right for you because everyone is different. Everyone's audience is also different as well. So as you start thinking about what type of content you are going to utilize, and of course you don't necessarily have to choose only one type, but you do want to make sure that you are choosing a format that is going to work well for your intended audience. And make sure that you actually enjoy creating that type of content too and that it's doable for you on a consistent basis. It all goes back to being in alignment with everything, you know, from your audience to your own needs and skills and what you actually like doing. So with video, do keep in mind that that can be extremely time consuming. It can take a while to get the perfect setup and it takes even longer to edit and render and export and all that jazz. Of course, some people, maybe they aren't going to much of a perfectionist as I am, and they aren't going to get hung up on that. But in general, video does kind of take a little bit longer than you probably think it would. And of course, you can outsource some of this. 
some of that process. Other people can take care of for you. Of course, that's going to cost money. If you choose to do it yourself and don't outsource it, you may need to acquire some skills to feel comfortable with everything, and that's going to cost time. So pretty much everything, you know, costs some type of resource. This applies to doing a podcast as well. You know, take it from me. So yeah, I'm super, super picky about my sound quality, and let me tell you, it took me a while to get everything properly set up. Um, I had to test out a few different microphones and filters, figure out what area sounded the best to record in, and I also have to plan well in advance and be selective when I record because I live in an apartment with paper-thin walls, and I know that one of my neighbor's gardeners comes every Thursday and uses a super noisy leaf blower, and then the other neighbor's gardener comes on Friday and they use an even louder one. It does take a lot of advanced planning to publish this, believe it or not, and get it out there into the world. On the other hand, I am a pretty efficient writer, so written content is a breeze for me, but I choose a predominantly audio format here because I think it's a better way for me to keep it conversational and relay technical information in an easier to understand way. Now, your situation is going to be very different than mine, but do make sure to account for all things like this. Again, it's all about finding what's doable for you and draw on your strengths. Some of my clients experience writer's block on the regular, but they don't even like break a sweat when they sit down with a microphone for an hour and improv enough content for a podcast episode. I wish that could be me, (laughs) but I have to keep pretty detailed show notes and then I go into recording because if I don't have them... I, this whole thing would be a mess. But some people, they don't need that. They can just sit down and talk for an hour and what comes out is golden. And they can like just write up a little show summary later after they've recorded it. You know, you aren't going to know what works for you and what doesn't until you try it. And if you've been toying with the idea of adding video to your content repertoire for a while now, there is absolutely no time like the present to take it for a spin and try it out. Do not delay. Just try it. See how it works for you. And also just know that you are probably going to get frustrated. There are going to be roadblocks. There are going to be times when you're going to be like, oh my God, like I don't, this doesn't seem right for me. Um, I'm not going to do this. This doesn't seem worth my while. I hit that point multiple times when doing this podcast. This podcast actually took years to put out, um, you know, from like the early conception, like, oh, I should do a podcast stage. That was years ago to actually doing it and publishing it. Yeah, there was a lot along the way, a lot of anger and frustration and self-doubt as well. So just don't be surprised when that hits and um, just, just fight through it, you know? So just realize that that can happen and that doesn't mean that it's not a good idea or that you shouldn't be doing it. It just means that things can be frustrating sometimes. That's all it means, okay? So I hope this info was helpful, especially as we are in a new year now. Creating content is a wonderful opportunity to grow your audience and your brand, so make the most of it, okay? Along with considering new types of content to create, like if you've never done a video before, try a video. If you've never done a podcast or like audio-based content before and you've been thinking about it, maybe try it out. And you also want to remember these takeaways from this episode. Spend more time promoting 
promoting your content than you do creating it. And also remember to get strategic. Everything that you publish should be audience-driven. It should work towards solving a problem that people are experiencing. And your content should also have purpose. It should make sense in the grander scheme of what it is that you do. It's all about strategy, baby. Love strategy. Got the word in the podcast title. I love it so much. So if you like this episode and you feel that your brand could use more strategy, what awesome timing. Um, Shameless plug here, but it's free, so I'm not going to feel bad about this. Um, I am running a free mini course in the next couple of weeks. It is all about rethinking your homepage. So our goal is to make your homepage be something that your target audience lands on and resonates with. And it should also encourage them to dig deep into your website and drive them further toward conversion. Now, right now, a lot of homepages aren't doing that, sadly, and what they are doing is driving away visitors within seconds if they don't find anything that interests them or clearly directs them where to go or what to do next. So Rethink Your Homepage, the mini course, is free. It only requires about a 30-minute commitment from you every day, and it's totally on your schedule too, so don't worry about that. It's all going to be like on demand, Netflix style. And if you would like to register for this, get your hands on this content in a few weeks, register at builditandblossom.com slash rethink your homepage. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Bite Size Strategy and allowing me to hit you with these brand building tips. If you're hungry for more snackable bites, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, and you can also visit builditandblossom.com for more content like this. And that's a wrap, you guys. I will see you next week. Happy 2022.